0: Hallelujah. Clap your hands for Jesus. Your hand clap is very weak. How many of you can feel that God is coming through to you? Yes. You may please be seated. Tell your neighbor, I'm ready for something great. Tell another person, something good is happening to me here. Clap your hands for Jesus. I want to welcome everyone here to session two of day one. And already we can feel that something very powerful is happening to us. And I want to encourage all senior pastors who are here I just want to encourage you and to repeat what Bishop Intefel said this morning that find all the serious members you have who want to serve God and are not here. Call them to come because it is not good for you alone to hear what God has for you. Even though God called you, you must come with your workers. Amen? That was what Moses did not do. God called him alone to meet him on the mountain. But maybe he should have renegotiated to bring Aaron along. And because he went alone, by the time he came back, those who were not with him there were receiving different instructions from another place. <laughs> and so everything he went to collect on the mountain was smashed in the first five minutes. <laughs> Are you with me? Yes. But if Aaron was with him, at least He wouldn't have had the time to even hear the voices that were around him. So, tonight, when we close, think of certain members you have and call them that tomorrow morning I'm meeting you here, with you here. And I believe that once they hear what you are hearing, There will be oneness of mind and oneness of purpose. And God will bless you greatly indeed. This evening, God has blessed our conference with yet another mighty man of God. The lineup we have for this week. It's not a small lineup, and you are getting the best that God will ever give you. And this evening, I want to welcome to the pulpit my brother, my friend, and my roommate (laughs) A man with a very, very sweet heart and a very, very wonderful anointing. God raised him up many years ago in the ministry. He served in different capacities in the Lighthouse Chapel International, pastoring churches and being a minister to different aspects of the denomination. But over the past 10 years, say 10 years, Say 10 years. God has used this man I'm about to introduce to you to organize mammoth crusades all over the nations of Africa and conferences, pastors conferences as we are having here outside Ghana, inside Ghana and outside Accra. Everything we are doing here in Art of Shepherding Conference is a photocopy of what we have seen both at Give Thyself Holy Conference and Church Growth Conference at Coligono, And the man we are about to hear has got great organizational skills. And I told him specifically, I requested that If you will allow God to use him, he should minister to us about how to gather people for our church services. (laughs) Bishop Interfel said something this morning, I want to repeat that. Not everyone who speaks at a conference Has practical experience You know people can Go to the internet and gather points (laughs) And give you points But by the grace of God The ministers we are enjoying this week Are not coming with theoretical experience But practical hands on experience Actually you see It is because of your unbelief that they will have to open their Bible to read scriptures. But they can just stand with their hand in their pocket and minister powerfully to you. And that is the type of person we are about to receive tonight. He doesn't need to read scriptures. He's a man who has gathered over 500,000 people together in one place at one night, in one night. So I believe that from this Sunday... You will be able to gather your flock. Wherever they are, as he ministers, the anointing of God upon him will also rest upon you. Because it is not enough to have the members. It's also important to gather them. But I don't know where God is going to lead him tonight, but I believe that whatever he says on this stage, it's coming from a heart of practical experience. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm glad and excited that tonight I have with us a man who has given birth to only girls. Yes, in his house, is the only boy in the house. Yes, and when a man has been with girls, he's, he, he's very romantic at heart. I want us with joy, with a shout to welcome my friend and brother, Bishop Prince Charles Ador!
1: shall we pray? Father, thank you for a time like this to gather in your presence. I pray that as I stand here, you use me as a vessel. Let me say what you want me to say. Let the house here be prepared, Lord, and grant us the ability to become good shepherds after this conference. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please, you may be seated. Well, What, what can I say? It takes only my roommate to get me on a day like this into a church. I tell you. I've protested, I've done everything, but his money to get me to be here. And I thought when I tell Bishop, he would say, Oh, don't go. But when I told him, he said, Oh, go. My one and only sister. Amen. So I'm happy to be here. It's an honor, and I want to tell those of you who belong to this church that you have such a wonderful pastor. You have a wonderful pastor, a wonderful shepherd, and like he said, we've been traveling together, sleeping in cars, sleeping in strange places for the past 12 years. As we started the healing Jesus crusade, now we call it campaign. And I hope to be able to explain to you why we call it campaign now. Amen. Amen. And you know, anytime I come to Adanta Church, I remember the first day we came to inspect this land to try and buy it. And after we bought it, we tried to buy an extension of it. Is Dennis here? And I always remember the fights and the the quarrels on this land. So whenever I see this building, when I'm driving past and I see the building, that's all that I always remember. And I thank God that at long last we have a cathedral here. (laughs) Amen. And I want to say good afternoon to Bishop Interfo for being here, for Reverend Kingsley, you know, we are all called bishops, but we are all not the same. Bishop Intefo was my pastor, he was the chairman at my wedding when I got married. So even though I'm called a bishop, it's not the same. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not the same. It's true. Your pastor, when he was a pastor at the Matahiko Church, and I used to go there with bishop to the church. He was a pastor with, I'm sure, maybe 300 people in his church at Matahiko in those days. And I was a young pastor. I didn't understand many things. I didn't even know many things. So if I look at Bishop Ogo today, we are all bishops, or whatever you want to call it. But he's Bishop Ogo. Do you understand what I mean? And when he picks a microphone to speak at, at conferences, I, I, I tell you, one time I arrived, at the, I came, I took him, we went to the conference, and whilst he was speaking, I went back to go and bring Bishop Dark, the evangelist. When we arrived, one of the pastors met him at the lobby. And he said, you are now coming, we have been enjoying ourselves already. That is the pastor that you have. Put your hands together one time, for him. Amen. Well, like Bishop Ogo said, he told me that as you talk about practical ways of gathering, and I've been thinking about it, what I do or what I do with my team, it's not written down. We just do it. Most of the things are instructions that we receive. Bishop will sit down with us, explain to us what he wants to do. And like what I always tell people, one of my favorite calls from Bishop is when he calls and says, Prince, I've been thinking. It means that a new idea is coming. Are you there? And that has been the process. There's nothing that I've done or I do that I've originated. I just received instructions and then I carry it through. And by the grace of God, we are where we are. I remember when we went to Nigeria, the first time, was it 2010? We had a crusade in Koforudia. And then we we're going to Tamale from there, I think. And Then one night after the crusade, normally we'll sit down, we'll talk, have discussions for a long time. And Bishop just said, I think we, should, we are going to Nigeria. We all became quiet because we heard stories about Nigeria. We were afraid. And our convoy was made up of 11 trucks, 24 buses, and 14 four wheel drives. So when we hit the road, the convoy is two kilometers long. And here we were. We we're going to Nigeria, a place where they said they can block the road and then they attack you. So the first picture I had in my head is. What are we going to do in such a place? We will survive. So one day, one pastor came, I don't remember when, and he said that, You guys, you did very well for coming to Nigeria. And then he mentioned my name. He said, You are very strong. I wanted to collect the fans, but at a point, I realized that. So I told him, In fact, I've not even thought about it deeply until that day. I told him that, Well, I wonder whether on my own, if somebody even dreamt and told me that take the convoy to Nigeria, whether I would do it. But you see, I believed in a man of God, called by God, issuing instructions, telling you what to do, and followed it through. So all the things I'm going to share with you between now and if God gives me the chance to be back, (laughs) are things that I've heard, I've been taught, I've been told, I've been instructed to do, and I've done with a team of like-minded people. And the results and achievement of whatever it comes with is what we are enjoying today. But before I do that, I just received a letter that somebody gave to Bishop Steve to give to me, and I want to read it to you. I showed it to Bishop Ogo. As I stood here, it just occurred to me that let me read this letter. It's really made me a bit emotional, but I'm going to read it. When I finish, maybe you understand. 16th July, 1998. That's the date on the letter. And it says Dear Dr. Opon Anani, some way, somehow, I always knew that you were the best. Let me get my glasses. Don't laugh, you're all coming. (laughs) I said, some way, somehow, I always knew that you were the best supervisor a student can get. If for nothing at all, the way my colleagues would say, as for you, you are lucky to have Dr. Opanane and Dr. Awache. Having written to Professor Hinch and speaking to Professor Levy, However, gives me a better picture for me to appreciate this all the more. And I do believe that this is one of the few moments I will get in my life to say that I appreciate you as my supervisor. I count it a privilege to work under you. And I want to use this opportunity to convey what is on my heart that I will forever be grateful. Thank you and may God bless you, your student, Prince Charles Adai. And then. There's a note under. This is a photocopy of a letter I wrote in 1998. He's written, Dear Bishop Adai, I came across this letter today over 19 years after it was written. You were one of my best students and I'm very proud of you. May the Almighty God bless you and your family. Dr. Kwame Anane. This was a man who was my supervisor when I was writing a thesis for a master of philosophy degree that I was studying. And the man was so good to me. People can't find their supervisors, but he was always there. He would chase me, come to my house at dawn and say, that, what you brought, i finished. I need you to do the corrections and bring it back tomorrow. And he comes to my house, the supervisor. He will be looking for me, chasing me. And I had two supervisors, himself and another one, and then two supervisors outside the country, one in Australia, Professor Hench was in Australia, Professor Levy was in France. And to get these two other supervisors to approve something that I've sent to them can take three months. So I was referring to those people after I've written and spoken to one, and I'm still not making any headway. I I don't know what happened. That made me write this letter to him. And 19 years later... He's found the letter and a few months ago he called me. He said he had I'm, I'm still a pastor and he was very happy and he's retired. And he came to this leave this letter. And I was thinking about it that the very, very little things that we do in life that sometimes we feel that is not important. We'll be surprised to arrive in heaven and find out that that was the most important thing we ever did in our lives. I mean, if I look at this letter, I don't think I wrote any format. or it's probably a spell of the moment how I felt, and I just wrote it. I, I, don't, I don't recollect ever writing such a letter. That's how heaven will be. And you see, for many of us who come to church and our ministry or trying to help our pastors and so on, everybody wants to be in the forefront of ministry. But there are two parts of ministry. There's a forefront, and it's behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, it's what makes what goes on on stage happens. But many of us who have the calling to behind the stage do not want to walk in that calling, and you will never do well unless you obey that calling. Say amen. amen. Everybody wants to be in the forefront. Ministry doesn't work like that. Hallelujah. There are some of you that your calling is attached to Bishop Ogo. And if you don't do what you have to do, he can never preach. And even if he will preach, where he would have reached, he can't reach there because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. Amen. And such is the calling that has given me what I'm going to share with you tonight. This is the first time any pastor has succeeded in putting my picture on the billboard. Never. I've never agreed. And I've never agreed to speak in public because it prevents me from doing what I do. Say amen. amen. I've got texts, WhatsApp pictures from so many people from Geneva to Hamburg to the islands in the Caribbean. Of people who have seen my picture on the billboard and sending me texts. I said that it takes only my roommates to get me to do what I'm doing here today. <laughs> Amen. So I'm happy to be here and I hope to be able to say something that makes sense to you. Amen. Turn your Bibles to Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 34. And I want to read from verse 11 to 13. And we are talking about gathering of sheep. The whole conference is about the art of becoming a shepherd, a good shepherd, art of shepherding. By the way, let me say that the team who worked with Bishop O'Go on this conference, you've done very well. Very, 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 very well. When we started ISI, which is now Give Thyself Holy Conference, Our first attempt, we're able to bring only 500 people together. 500, believe me. 12 years ago, we could bring only 500 people. And even that one, after much tribulation and tears, very difficult. So as the years have gone by, then we evolve, we get new ideas through the direction and inspiration of Bishop, and we keep on moving on. For your first attempt, first time, to have people from he- here, from morning to... Because in those days, we had to even camp them at Commonwealth Hall so that they would stay. Do, do you understand it? So it's a, it's, a, it's a mighty work that you have done here. God bless you all. He said, For that says the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. By the way, there's a difference between the word... Search and seek. They look the same, but they are not. Please, next. As a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all places where they've been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. And I'll bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and in all the inhabited places of the country. Say, I will gather them. To gather people, I believe it's also an art in itself. Oh, I don't know what to say. It's an art and a science together. Because a part of it, to me, has to be done scientifically, and a part of it is an art you develop over the years. But many people tend to, many people tend to think that to gather people means just bringing people together. But that's not what it simply means. If you look at the definition of the word gather, it means a lot more. It means to bring people together. Just bringing them together. It means to bring people together in a group. You can bring people together but has no meaning. To bring people together in a group, I'll read them to you. It means to reap or harvest. That's what gathering means. So when I finish, by the time I finish this definition, you should decide. Which one of it applies to you where you are? It means to assemble people from various places or sources. If the church is in Adenta, it means assembling people from Ashariboche, it means assembling people from Oyarefa, assembling people together from various places or from various sources. Are we there? It means to collect gradually. Last Saturday, we have a team from First Love. They went on an outreach. And they said when they counted the people at the open air crusade, there were 700 people there. And when they finished and they did the altar call, they got 223 or 43 people. And they were not happy. And I was saying that to gather people, it means to collect gradually. That is what gathering is about. You collect people together gradually. Amen. Some churches don't have anybody in the church, or they are not growing because we don't want to gradually collect together. One, one, two, two. Three, three, four, four. You see, one of the things that I've learned as I try to bring pastors together for conferences is that you cannot get 20 pastors together and say, all of you come for a conference, and they will come. It doesn't work like that. One day I arrived in London trying to organize pastors, and I got a team together. When I arrived and I had a meeting with them, they had nobody. They had gone out for three weeks. But they had no pastor. Not even one person had registered. So when I tried to go into it, I found out that when they go, they are trying to get the pastor and his whole church to register at a go. So you think about it carefully. I have my church. And you have come. You have come to convince me to attend the conference. And then when you come, the first day you showed up, you want me to write my name Write my assistant's name and all the shepherds in my church and give it to you that day. If it were you, will you do it? No. So I was trying to tell them it's a gradual process. You go the first Sunday and win the pastor's heart. Don't even ask him to write his name. It's a gradual process. Are you here? That's what it takes to build something, gradually, then you gather together, gradually. So I stayed in London with these pastors for I think nine days. So every morning we step out, we, get, we choose an area, Croydon, then we are there and we start to visit the pastors. I said, don't speak, you just come with me. So when I go, I just speak to the pastor and explain what we are trying to do, come for a conference. If he doesn't know Bishop Dikeyward-Mills, and and introduce Bishop Dikeyward-Mills in a nice way, and i tell him why he must come for the conference and how he should think about it, and if he comes alone, like Bishop Ogoa was saying, that what Bishop Interfa said this morning, there's no need to come for a conference like this as a pastor and you come alone. Then you should as well not come, because the people you are going to work with must have the same mind as you. And what a better place for them to be told by somebody as not you. But how they should think. So then I, talked, I spoke to the pastor. The first person I met was a bishop. And I spoke to him and tried to explain to him. When I explained, I explained. He said, I'm coming. I want to register. Then he said, okay, I'm registering myself and my wife. I said, it's good enough. Then before I left, there, I asked him, do you have any other pastors like that you recommend? who have this type of orangus in their churches and this type of sicknesses that Bishop Doug has the treatment for so that they can be told that there's a hospital there's a bomb in Gilead right there he gave me the names of four pastors and I said please can you call them then he called the four pastors do you understand what I'm saying I said gathering is to collect gradually So those four people he gave me, I made him call them in my presence. It's like a recommendation from him. When I met those four pastors, each one of them gave me at least two pastors. Do you understand what it means? And it's moving on. So from one, I got four. From four, I got 12. From the 12, I got 16. And from the 16, I got 22. I always remember that because my first attempt in London. Are you there with me? Together means collect gradually. And if you don't collect gradually, you will have nothing. Nothing at all. Say amen. When you get one person, use that one person to get one more person. And use that one person to get two people. I think in biology it's called binary fission. One gives rise to two, two gives rise to four, four gives rise to eight. So before you can before you know it, you have sixteen people, but the sixteen people have become sixty-four. But it is a gradual process. Amen. Are you here or you've gone home? Okay. The next definition of gathering is to pick up piece by piece. To pick up piece by piece. It always reminds me of a convert I got when I was a pastor at the Kotobabi church years ago. He was a drunkard and I walked past him in the night and he asked me a question and I answered. The next day I saw him again. So I invited him to church and he came. When he came, I could smell the alcohol, but I was cool with it for that day. Then Sunday I went to look for him, he was asleep, drunk, totally drunk from the night before and asleep. I waited for him to bath and I went with him to church. As he was going, he was dozing, but he came. The following week, he didn't come. I couldn't find him. When I went to his wife didn't know where he was. But I was cool with that. I waited. I laid ambush for him one day in the night. I was sitting in the house with his wife when he arrived, drunk, but he recognized me. Gradually, I pick up that drunkard piece by piece. I got him to come a few occasions, I got him to not drink for one week, I told him that you, it doesn't matter, you can be drinking, but this week, can you not drink at all this week, because there's a convention, so you (laughs) come. Many of us, the reason why you don't win a soul, you don't have anybody, you can't reach anybody, is because we are not patient. And I'm telling you as one of the people that, who is referred to as not being patient, me, a lot of people have told me that I'm not patient. But when it comes to bringing people together, I've learned that the only way is to become very patient. I tell you. This man I'm talking about today is one of the old members of the church today. He's a contractor now. He builds for us at Manpom. That drunkard. I just don't want to mention his name in the microphone. Peace by peace. Wow. So piece by piece means that the person himself that you are dealing with, you are collecting parts of that person in pieces until the person comes together. That is how to gather. That is how to gather. You can never gather a crowd. Anyway, I'm going there. Amen. To means to pluck, like how they pluck apples or oranges from trees, they pluck them. What, what does it mean to pluck? It means a certain amount of force is needed to pull it from where it is fixed so that you can put it together. Some of you don't, we are too gentle. When they come to gathering people together, you are too gentle. Ace. I once had a pastor preaching. (laughs) This type of tree preachers, and was saying that he saw a lady, and the lady was wearing a dress, and that dress was somewhere here and. Two tests of the breasts were showing. And then he said, "The worst of all is that she was wearing a cross in her neck, and he had put the cross in between the two breasts, squeezing Jesus Christ.". And he said, "When he saw the lady, he had a holy anger. So he asked the lady. Is it not enough to show this one, the two thieves? But Masu squeezed Jesus Christ with the two thieves. And he says that when the lady got down, he decided to follow the lady. So he followed the lady to try and talk to her. The lady was angry, but he followed the lady. And he says that a few months or years or whatever down the line, the lady is now the one who sings in his church. He plucked that lady. He plucked her. He plucked the lady from an apple tree. He plucked her. There are some of you have people in your life that you can pluck but you don't want to. This guy said what he needed to say. The lady was offended. He followed up and made sure with force he dragged her out. Some people they need to be pulled. They need to be plugged. They need to be dragged to church. One day somebody sent me a cartoon. I don't know. I'm sure all of you have seen it on WhatsApp. Of a guy who was trying to enter a trot or something, and the lady was pulling him and said, Today is Sunday, you will go to church. And the guy was screaming, trying to enter. And when I saw that, I really laughed. Some people, that is what they need. We need to plug them. Amen. Together also means to direct. To direct. Some people need to be directed. They need to be guided. That's why a shepherd is supposed to have a staff. Some people need to be guided and directed. Push them this way, and you push them that way. Gathering involves directing people, because if you lead people, they will do what naturally comes. Amen. You want to be a shepherd who is gathering, you must have the ability to direct people, to say, go here, don't go here, do this. Don't do that. I think I once heard Bishop Saki or one of the pastors saying that one time she called a lady who didn't come to church and he said, Where are you? Then the lady was quiet and said, Where are you exactly? And he said, I'm in a boy's house. And he said, What are you doing? Then she was quiet and said, Have you removed your clothes in this house? He said, Yes, Pastor. He said, Take your pants, wear it now. Then she wore it. And said, Have you worn it? He said, Yes. He said, Take your skirt, wear it now. Have you worn it? He said, Yes. He said, Take your bra, wear it. Have you worn it? I said, Yes, Pastor. Take your shirt, wear it now. Are you wearing it? He said, Yes. He said, Walk to the door. He said, I am a mother, open it. He said, walk out. (laughs) She walked out. The pastor was directing his sheep. He was gathering. He was not ready to lose even one. Amen. The pastor was dressing his sheep in her boyfriend's house. Getting her out of the house Some of you When you call your sheep And you ask the person Where are you And he doesn't answer You answer Okay be there Then you put the phone off You could have directed that person You could have saved somebody You could have helped somebody To wear her panties back Say amen Gathering Also means directing Directing people and Santa, the direction that you give, you may never know that what that single direction will do. Save the person's life forever. Amen. Are you here? Where's the clock? I don't have a watch. Where's the clock? I think the differences are a lot. I'll give you the last one. One of them it says to pile up. To gather, it means to pile up. Because when you see a heap of tomato, they piled it up. Or you see a heap of maize or corn or something like that. In the same way, when you see a church, as we are sitting here today, we were piled up gradually. We're piled up to become a heap, to become a church. What does this definition mean? What it means is that as you are adding, the ones underneath should not vanish, other than the pile will not come out. Are you here? You know what happens to us that we are busily trying to bring people into the church, but the ones that we must keep so that we put some on top, we lose it. Recently, I was with a group of people who were analyzing their church data. And they find out that in the year 2015, they had 23,000 new members passing through the church. Do you understand it? When they ask them, How many of you, how many of you, this is your first time coming to the church? Then they lift up their hand. Like that. The first time is when they put it together from January to December, they had 23,000. 23,000 in a year. And when they look at their, their membership, those who wrote their name that they want to be members in the church, for that same year, they had only 2,400. And out of that 2,400, they could only find 780. I'm not so sure about the figure, especially the, the number of the people they kept. But whatever them, even if they found 1,000, think about it carefully. They are not seriously gathering. Because if you are seriously gathering, you pile up. 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 Then to become full. Turn to your neighbor and tell the person, pile up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. be the last one. It says to sum sum up. Together means to sum up. To bring together. To sum up. You will never know how many people you have or how strong the church is until we bring all the battles together. Isn't it? That is why not even one single battle should be neglected. Not even one. Even if a pastor has three people, it's an important bustle. Because when you sum it up, that is a gathering. When you sum up the pastors, the pastors and the various people together, the various ministries, that is a gathering. Yeah. To sum up, to sum up the total, everybody, bringing everybody together, that is a gathering amen and if you don't learn the act of keeping piling up, summing up you will always be discouraged in your gathering turn to somebody and tell the person learn to gather and ask the person do you understand gathering now? You know, as we go on the crusades, think about it. The first time I was trying to organize a, a big crusade, I don't remember which one, but I think Takradi, I arrived in Takrade. The only person I knew there was Auntie Mammy's mother and Pastor Bano, our pastor. They were the only people I knew in Takrade. So I arrived in Takrade, I'm coming to have a crusade. What do I do? So I asked Pastor Bano take me to the, the Assemblies of God pastor's house. And he said, oh, why? I said, because that's where I will start from. I didn't have any clear plan, but I knew that I want to bring the pastors together. So we went. The main Assemblies of God pastor at that time was called Reverend Johnny, who is, the, I think, the immediate past president of Assemblies of God. So I went to his house. I tried to explain to him why I'm there. He nodded I'm not that and he said, but if you want to have a crusade, why do you need me? Come and just have your crusade intact Do you understand? the other side? That's the question that the man asked me. And out of that question, I've been asked that question many times, many, many times in different places. So I was forced to find an answer. When people keep on asking you that if you want to have a crusade, why do you want to gather us before you have a crusade? Why? So the question, why do we gather? why do we have to gather why if you want to have a crusade have it if you want to have a church have your church service why do you want to gather people there's a reason and there are several of them i'll give you one or two number one god is always gathering and bringing his children together throughout the bible god is always gathering He's always, even when he's angry with the people, and he causes a scatter, he scatters them. He himself will not say, I'm bringing them back together. The first scripture I read is one of them. The next one is Ezekiel chapter 11 verse 17. He said, therefore say, thus saith the Lord God, I will even gather you from the people and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered and I will give you the land of Israel. That is God. Isaiah eleven twelve, He said, And he shall set up an ensign for the nations, and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel, and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Joel chapter 2, verse 16. He said, Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, and those that suck the breasts. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. <laughs> I like this one. He says, gather the children. It's a, it's a first. He said, gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and those that suck the breast. One God is gathering. He doesn't leave anybody out. Some of us, when we go for outreach and a nine-year-old person wants to give his life to Christ, he go back, go back. I've seen it many times at crusades when people are coming forward to come and give their lives to Christ. And you see children coming, you see the ashes and the counselors. They we say, hey, let the children go back. They are just disturbing. But when God is gathering, He gathers everybody and He counts everybody. <laughs> Amen. Bishop always says that when Bishop, Dad gave, Bishop Adi gave his life to Christ, who was 13 years old you know i have my last daughter is 11. and when i go to her room and i look at what she's reading and the questions she can ask and then she comes from my ipod when i go to her room and she has asleep, sleep and i take the earpiece from her ear and i listen to what she's listening to m- m- my daughter is listening to bearing fruits 11 years old so if such a person now is so coming to give her life to Christ and he says, go back, go back, let all the children go back. You do not understand gathering. You do not understand gathering. And therefore you have nobody. Amen. Bishop Hoffman says that the reason why most missionaries don't do well is that when they go into a city, they want the iron rod sellers, the curtain sellers, the air conditioning sellers, the car dealers. But those people are old already. Well established in their churches already. You can't easily get them to your church. Go for the children. I remember when I joined this church. I was not married. I was a student. I didn't have anybody. I didn't have anything. I remember I used to go for IPTP. IPTP, IPTP. Pastors training, informal pastoral training in the night at Kolegonon. And when we are going to, going from Legon, there used to be a lecturer who was also on the training program. Sometimes, I'll be looking out for him whether he's there in the night, because after the service, I don't know how I'm going to come, because I went to church without a penny as I'm there. And even if I have money for trotro, by the time we finish, the throttler is closed. So how will I come? So I have to always look now for whether he's coming for the meeting. And if he's not coming, I have to make special arrangement how to get to Legon. If I Legon, it's a place that if you are there, you don't think you will never leave. There's a story of a letter that said that the day he arrived on campus, he never left until he died. (laughs) Amen. But some of us, you don't want the children or the younger people, or you want somebody who is already meaty. I mean, it can be. If you want to go and adopt or something, or you want a child, or some people want to adopt somebody who is a millionaire already. How can that be? Before he became a millionaire, you have parents. Hallelujah. From today, tell somebody that from today, when we go for outreach, all the children, they shall be counted. Amen. When God was gathering, He counted everybody. Everybody. God counted everybody. Are you here? God counted everybody. And so must you. You must count everybody and consider everybody as important. Micah chapter 2, verse 12, He said, I will surely assemble, O Jacob, all of thee. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel and put them together as the sheep of Bozrah, as the flock in the midst of their foe. They shall make great noise by reason of the multitude of men. God has always gathered his people. And that's the reason why we must also gather his people. Hallelujah. You must be a gatherer in your own small way. In any way that you can. Some of you, is your neighbor. You have not greeted your neighbor. Ever. Is it not true? Where I live, I'm the youngest person who lives in the area. All the people who live there, they are retired, so I'm the only one in the middle, the person on my right is retired, the person on my left is retired, the one behind me is retired, so they are always home. So I have the responsibility of always going to greet them. One of them, I went to greet him, he said he doesn't need any greeting, he didn't even wait for me, so I walk out, and since I have not been there again, but the others, my neighbor, neighbor told me that there's a tree in front of my house, I should cut it, I said why? He said because every Sunday he sees a snake in front on the tree coming down. He said he sees a snake and the snake waits for me to go to church and he comes down. <laughs> so I should cut the tree, you know. But I've tried to talk to all my neighbors. At least they know me as a pastor. So you, so you you don't talk to your neighbor. You, you don't want them to know that you are even a pastor. Or you are a church member, a serious church member. Why? Become a gatherer. Tell somebody and tell the person, become a gatherer in your own way. Amen. Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23. Verse 3. Confirm from verse 1, if you like. He said, and I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I have driven them and will bring them again to their foes and they shall be fruitful and increase. The second reason why we have to gather is that gathering makes us fruitful. It leads to fruitfulness and increase. That's what gathering does. When you gather people, you will bow all means increase. And it's a matter of time. When I get to where I'm showing you how to gather, you will understand that one of the principles that I've learned by experience is that if you want 10 people, you must speak to at least 40 people. I've learned that one by doing it. I'm telling you. Sometimes if you want 10 people, you must speak to 60, 80 and you'll get 10. why? i don't know why i can't answer but what i've learned is that one and i can only conclude that it's because satan is a god of this world so he has a stronghold so it's not easy to loosen his hand and to take some out of his hand that one i can assure you so you can never be fruitful and increase If you do not continue to gather, gathering, it brings fruitfulness and increase. You can never, never, it will never happen. You can stay in church, have parties, do anything. The only thing that will bring fruitfulness and increase is when you gather. And like I was sharing with you, you bring one person. And if you can make that person think like you, that person will bring one more or two more. Anybody who is sitting here who considers himself as a pastor or a to-be pastor or a serious Christian who doesn't have a basis of people upon which one person is leading to two, two is leading to four, four is leading to eight, eight is leading to 16. You are not gathering you are just joking or you are just warming the pew or you are just enjoying the church you are not helping, you are not in any way contributing to fruitfulness and increase in the church Thank you. Thank you. Wow. and I'm telling you it's very easy to gather but many of us think about gathering in terms of a big crusade or a big outreach which must be organized by Bishop O'Go, and then you are part of it then you will know that you are, the- no That is just one of them. There are several ways to gather. But the simplest is that you decide that with one person, you will get two. With the two people, you will get four. With the four people, you will get eight. And it will keep on multiplying. By so doing, you will become fruitful and the church will increase. That's the principle we have used all these years for the crusades. That's the only principle. We arrive in a town, we find one pastor one pastor and if that pastor doesn't flow the scripture says shake the dust off your feet and walk away then we move to the next pastor until we find a pastor who is flowing look it's one of the things i learned the early years of organizing the crusades is that don't be sad i've been sacked i've been so somebody can actually look at my face and tell me that go and tell bishop doug to come here himself and talk to me about, it, about the crusade. And then I organize my people. Somebody can look at my face and tell me that. Oh, yeah. And when I was much younger, when they say that, I start to fight and insult them. You know, I said, what do you mean? Before I leave, we are fighting. You know? But the years yes, went by. I realized that when they said, I said, he can't come. That's why he sent his, uh, his uh, assistant. And that's why I'm here. Piece by piece. And I talk to them. Some of them will listen, some they won't listen. But I learned early years not to let my heart be troubled by that one. Amen. Because if, if, if you allow your heart to be troubled by that, look, you will give up. You will give up. Because there are some people who are sarcastic, wicked. What is the word to you? Give me the words. People who. They, they, they don't. They don't care about how you feel when they are speaking. They just say it. But those people, that, those unfeeling people, those people, when you now find other people who are flowing with you and they start to work, they come back. I'm telling you, they will always come and join. Always. They will always but when they come, the only problem is that they won't apologize. When they see you, they smile and shake your hand. And one like is that, I always give them a free book. amen so decide that you will talk to somebody he doesn't listen to you move on to the next person you will by all means find somebody who will listen to you i'm telling you Hey, i've had pastors who've told me maybe it's not good to say this one they will tell me that before they can join together to have a crusade we have to sign our agreements on how much they will get he the pastor will get oh you don't understand it how much he will get by joining the crusade yeah how much money I I mean I didn't want to say it but how much money do you understand it not souls at all how much money will come to him then after that we can start the real discussion pastors then I move on to the next person I've had, how many of you know Sefuyo It's the only time in the world that I've walked out and driven the trucks, equipment, everything, they saw it with their eyes like this, and we drove out. We drove out of the town completely. They couldn't believe it. They thought we'll just, we'll come back. But there were people to who made nice food for us <laughs> when you're when you're a crusade director and you travel for a while and you get to a place where they give you nice food you always remember because sometimes you go for days without any warm food especially if you're in west africa when you drive through some of the places i tell you so when you get to a place and they give you nice warm food you always remember <laughs> Say amen yeah. So some of you we don't understand what I'm saying, but I'm sure my roommates will understand it better than all of you. <laughs> okay. Number three. Reason number three. gathering makes us good shepherds. Gathering makes us good shepherds and sewers of God's flock. Makes us good shepherds and sewers of God's flock. John 10, 16. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. You know, one one of the ways I've always analyzed crusades and church is always in terms of cost. Sometimes people ask me, "How do you choose between cities?" Like right now, we are about to we are getting ready for Zambia, Mozambique, Zimbab- uh, Zamb- Malawi, Zambia, Mozambique. Malawi, DRC. You know, DRC, there are, there are no roads in the country. You can't go from Accra to Tamale or Boga like how it is in Ghana. Some place you have to fly. Then there are roads among a few towns. Then you fly to another so You can't drive through the whole country. So a part of DRC can be accessed from Zambia. Have you heard of a town called Lumumbashi? Yes. Uh-huh. From Lumumbashi, there's another town called Kolwezi and another one, i forgotten the name, those three towns can be assessed from Zambia. So we we'll go through Zambia, we we'll do those three towns, come back into Zambia, and then we we'll go into Malawi. Uh, do you understand? So I've been analyzing it. So somebody asked me that, in Zambia, there are so many towns, we want to do maybe six crusades. How do I choose? How do you choose? After the evangelists are told, I want to go into this country. The next thing for me is that, what gives God's money the maximum return? Do you understand it? When I say maximum return, do you understand? So let's say there's town A and town B. Town A has 10,000 people. Town B has 60,000 people. I'm not saying the people in town A are forgotten ghosts. That's not what I mean. But if I had an option to do only one out of these two, which one would I do? I would do the one that brings maximum return to God, which means that I want to go to a place where the same gospel when it is preached will reach many people than a few. Or, or you don't get it. So, in the same way. So, we I used to calculate that if you want to donate to a crusade, for example, let's say in Zambia or in Zimbabwe, where we have been, I'll add all the souls we got and I'll divide it by the cost of the whole crusade. So now I can tell that. The cost per soul in Zimbabwe is let's say $10. I don't know whether you understand what I mean. So, for example, if the cost per soul is $10 in Zimbabwe and the cost per soul is $2 in Zambia and I can do only one country at a time, why should I not go to Zambia? Why should I go to Zimbabwe? Or or you don't understand it? Because if I go to Zambia, I have 100,000 souls. If I go to Zimbabwe, I'm getting maybe 22,000 souls. So at the end of the day, I'm maximizing the return on God's money, money that you have given to us. That is how I see the church too. When Bishop Ogo stands here on Sunday morning, whether there are 2,000 people here or 200, the same number of hours is what he will spend to teach the 200 or the 2,000. Or you don't understand? The lies that are on here now, if we were 4,000, it will be the same light. If we are 2,000, it's the same light that we are using. The same cost, it's the same amount of money we are using to reach 200 or 2,000. So to gather the people together, it makes us good stewards, good serpents of God's money and God's people. And that's what many of us are not doing. We are not doing that. So at the end of the day, we are spending more money running the church looking after the people when we could have used that same money to do more same light same pastor same number of hours same time of prayer that he did so if you are not helping him to have two thousand to to spend the same resource of his time energy and everything on he's using the same resource on only 200 when he could have been stretched to two thousand then what are you doing here? If you say you are helping him, it's one of the things that Bishop Doug is always teaching us, the Crusade Guide, because we have we have learned and we have accepted that we are not Americans. So to do what we are doing is already a miracle that we travel from country to country with buses, trucks, our own power. We have power enough to supply a town, the power that we carry for our Crusade, and we we'll never have done so by the grace of God. So the question is, why should we go with such equipment to a place only to have a fraction of what we could have had? Why? And when we go, we try, we we plan it in such a way that when we fly out once, we do enough. Instead of flying, you go and come. No. We are trying to be good stewards the resource that god has given to us and so can you do in the church you can be good stewards in the church so ask yourself that as you are coming to church today on sunday how many people is your pastor going to uh, going to preach to how many people is he going to preach to in the same lights it's not that you say "Oh, because we are only 300 people let's put four of the lights off and keep only three have you seen some before some of you, even when the chat is not full, we say, come forward. Then you're angry, you'll be like ah, the small channel we are come. Every day instruction, every day instruction. You'll be seeing it. So how can we put the light off? That same light will be on. Same number of souls. Turn somebody and tell the person, let's become good stewards. Amen. Okay? The next reason, please tell me the time. Is your correct call? Okay. Same scripture that I read: He said, There shall be one fold and one shepherd. Gathering, so. My point is, gathering enables you to be the one shepherd in charge of the whole fold. One shepherd. All of you here who are in charge of various vessels, if you think that you are there, shepherd of those, you are joking. You are, you are just a trainee, an assistant to Bishop Ogo. So when we gather, when you gather the people and you bring them, then they can come and hear the one shepherd of that one fold. And one bishop died that also calls all of us to come. Then he's a training shepherd who is now taking the sheep that has been put under his care to the shepherd of that one fold to go and hear him speak. Do you understand it? So gathering just brings us together into one fold With one shepherd. When we don't do it, nothing works. The sheep will scatter. Hallelujah. Forgive. You know, when we go for crusades and we try to talk to pastors, recently we're trying to estimate, realize that. Every year, on the average, I meet at least 5,000 pastors. Every year. On the average, I meet fresh 5,000 pastors every year. And the sad part is that when you meet them, and you meet them again, you can't tell whether this one is from South Africa, and if he's from South Africa, which of the cities, because the person is happy to see, and and you can't say, Hey, where are you from? No. So you have to keep on talking to the person, then something can, ah! This one's from Kragsdorp. Then now the next thing is to find the name. <laughs> but one of the things I've learned is that most pastors, for fear of their sheep not being brought into one fold, they refuse to have a branch. No branch, no bus nothing. No, no home sale. No prayer meeting outside the church. No other pastor. Everybody is just a, a shepherd or trainee shepherd. And it's only him and his wife. Why? Because those who have ventured to try, the people refuse to bring the sheep together. They refuse to be gathered. They refuse to gather. Orangus. So then the the, the person decides that it's okay. All all the people should be here. They are my sheep and I can see them every day. That should not be our story. That should not be our story. We should be able to gather people in different places and bring them together in one fold. Turn to the person next to you and say one fold. One shepherd. That's what we need. And that can never happen unless we are able to gather people together. Hallelujah. Gathering leads to strength. Gathering, it leads to strength. Number one, I mean, when the church is bigger, the church is strong. You think about it. When this church started earlier, we used to have a few issues with the neighbors here. Now, when they see the cars parked here and the number of people, even if they have a complaint... They are afraid. Or you don't think so? Ah! When we gathered at Independence Square. On on Good Friday. We never invited any news media. Never. Trust me. I was there. They said some news channels were looking for me. I told her they should go to the back. I'm coming. They should go to the back. Yeah, I so tell them that they should go to the back. I'm coming. And I went to talk to them. They said they want to come and cover, and so on. So they came too late. They should have come earlier for accreditation. So they should come next year. <laughs> Gathering. Gathering. It brings strength. Strength and power. And why did I tell them that? These are the same people... Who will tell the story their way? And when you even invite them, they won't come. So now when they saw the strength of the church, they took their, how do they call it? OB van. Is that how they call it? OB van or whatever they call it. And they arrived. And they wanted to come. I said to the back. To the back, I'm coming. Ace! Psalm 84, verse 7. Psalm 84, verse 7. He says, They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeared before God. So, as individuals, we are strengthened when we come before God. How many of you here, you have come? Maybe you were in your branch or your basal. You've never been to a a cathedral before, Bread of Life cathedral before. And when you came here, you heard Bishop go preach. You will return to your branch with a renewed strength to do more. How many of you have been, ah, look at the hands there. Look at it. I learned that one also from the crusade. I learned that when people, you are are inviting people to the crusades, they don't want to come because they can't figure out what you are talking about. They can't see what you are talking about. You, You describe it and so on. So we started to produce videos. So when I say, we meet pastors and we say, oh, We need a minimum of 2,000 ashes. And the person says, huh? Why? Then you play the video. Have you seen the crowd from here to here? So here, you need like 300 ashes here. You need 300 here. Can you see? And you need 200 to take the offering. Can you see? He says, how would you take offering with 200? He says, huh, we have 200 offering baskets. Really? Yes. And you see, have you seen the picture? Everybody wear a vest. So you see that suddenly the people become... Quiet. And then the strength, you see that they start to understand what you are saying. Hallelujah. So in the same way, when we're a pastor leader there and you don't bring your people here, there's a certain strength they will not have and you will not have. You will not have a certain strength. But when people realize that they belong to a very large organization, something very big, when they are where they are, they know that talent. Where I belong, where I'm coming from it's big one of the things that happens to our churches in places where we have crusades in other West African countries sometimes the pastor is so insignificant in the country or in the town when we finish the crusade he said that he would be there, they would be receiving calls people start to realize, hey if this is the church you belong to that has come to do such a big thing your church must be a very big you must watch out, you are a baby elephant and when you grow it will not be easy here So in the same way, when you bring the people in your bustle, when you bring the people you have met at your prayer meetings and different places to the cathedral here, and they come to witness the service, they come to see your bishop preaching, they return with the mind that Charlie, I'm an elephant. I am an elephant as I'm here, looking like a, a calf, looking like a cow. One day I'll be very big, one day I'll be a giant. Yeah Amen. Strength comes when we gather strength. and we appear before the Lord as a group. Hallelujah. Ease, Charlie. Time is not helping me. Be we go. I think that I'll give two more reasons and then I will end. And then tomorrow I'll continue with the how to gather. Do we agree? Tomorrow or whatever. So I'll give two reasons why we gather and then I will end. Okay. Okay. Number what? Six. Okay. We gather to refocus the sheep. We gather to refocus the sheep. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse one to two. We gather to refocus the sheep, because people do not naturally like God. He said, "Now, we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto Him that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us. Amen. As that day of Christ is at hand. Go back to the verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, So when we gather unto him, we become stable. Because the verse 2 says, the verse 2 says, uh, where am I? That ye be not soon shaken in mind. Amen. When we gather mightily before God, establishment comes. There are some people, you know, if you have heard Bishop talk about the story of God, one of our pastors that they went to invite to the church in London when the church was starting. He told them that, oh, you go and grow, grow small, and I'll come. Let the church grow small. Isn't it? Some people do not want to join things when it's small. Do you understand it? For those people, they will be stabilized, established, when they come before the gathering and they see that, hey, Charlie? it's not, it's not a, a simple church maybe you, were, you are meeting in a classroom or in somebody's living room and you are always 11 the person doesn't even think that there's a church you know one time, one time and that elderly person came to one of my meetings in the early days, We were 12 people or so and he says that, he said so you are the pastor, I said yes and so, so this is a church, I said yes it's a church When you miss such situations, you need a gathering of the sheep to be able to make the people believe you. Amen. Amen. And the last reason I believe I want to give is that when we do not gather, it will lead to desolation. Desolation is the re- result of no gathering. When you don't gather the people where you are, will be desolated. How do I know that? Matthew 23, verse 37 to 38. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathered her chickens under her wings, and ye will not. Behold, your house is left unto you Desolate because you refuse to gather, your house is left unto you desolate. There are some people here, I dare say, your basal is not how it used to be because you have refused or you have not put in extra effort to bring your people whenever there is a gathering call. That is why your basal is not doing well. That's the reason because we feel that your bishop is worrying you. By always asking, but always asking for you to come together. If some of you, the that branches, that's the reason why you're not doing well. Yes. You are not doing well because when there's a gathering call, you do not want to obey. And there it goes. That's the scripture for you. There it says, Behold, your house is left unto you, desolate. The headquarters will be growing. Your branch and your basket will never grow because you refuse to be gathered. The covering that you would have had under the hand. The hands wings. You don't have it. Because you are exposed. Hings. And when you see a hand gathering her chicks, it's one of the miracles in the world. Because some of the, the chicks they can't see well. And you see the mother sometimes can use her beak to push them under his wing. And always, every time you find one of them who doesn't want to go under, you always see one. When he goes under and to camp, then the mother will put him under and to go. And often they are the ones who die. But when the chicks are young and they are beaten by rain, they will die. That one is a sure banker. They will die. And you don't want to be guarded. Why? Bishop will go. Basali, leaders who don't want to be guarded, change them. They must be changed, they must be removed. Because that desolation will eventually affect you. It's true. What's the use of having, bringing chicks, and then they always die? You bring chicks and they die. You know, when <laughs> when you are making a poultry farm, one of the critical stages in having poultry farm is a phase called the brooding phase. Because when the chickens are produced, they give them to you, they call them day-old chicks. When they put them in the incubator, they know when they will come out. And they see, you see the signs clearly when they are going to come out. So, anybody who has placed an order, you'll get a call that the chicks will be ready, let's say, today at 5 a.m. So, they remove all of them from the incubator and put them under UV light. What's UV? Uh, ultraviolet light. And a UV light to strengthen them for a few hours. And then they give them glucose to drink. And after that, they pack them, 50s, 50s, and they put them in a carton and they give them to you. Between that period and the next few weeks, 14 days or so, is the most critical part. So if you have ever been to a poultry farm and you see that there's a building, normally they put plastic sheets around it. have you seen it before. That's the brooder house. They put plastic sheets because you need a certain temperature. They don't have enough feathers. So you keep them... There, you gather them. And if a a, a house that can take chickens, can only take, let's say, 50. The chicks, the day-old chicks, you have to put about 150. Why? So that they can gather the huddle to keep the heat. And you, the bastard, where you are? You are like a chick. And the hen is here, here, trying to gather you under his wings. You won't come. What do you think will happen to you? Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. May the Lord deliver us from desolation. May the Lord deliver us from having our day-old chicks die. And may we become a people who will yield to gathering. When our pastor is calling us to gather, we will gather. When we are told to gather ourselves, we will gather and when in our private moments and in our quiet moments we will put people together because we understand what gathering means, we understand the reasons why we should gather and God willing when we meet again I will share with you seven principles of gathering Hallelujah God bless you You should put your hands together and welcome my roommates